Hi, and welcome into the newest episode of Top of the Hill. We have a pretty good show for you again today. A lot of March Madness content to cover with the game starting later this week. Great interview with a friend of mine. His name is Brandon Simberg. He goes to the University of Illinois and covers all things college hoops. And then, of course, it's NFL free agency starting off this week, so we have some coverage of that because that's our bread and butter. With that being said, let's get right into it. Hello and welcome to the newest episode of Top of the Hill, March Madness Edition. That's going to be all the rage that's going to take up most of our show today. But before we get to any of that, Logan Hill, joined by Tyler Kirk. Tyler Kirk, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. It's an exciting time. It's spring break and just basketball mania. For me personally, I don't know if I've ever been as excited for a March Madness tournament as I am for this one. Maybe it's just because we got robbed from the one last year, and I was super excited for Maryland. The, they won the Big Ten last year, and they were going to be, a, I think, a top two or three seed. I can't recall exactly. How are you feeling about March Madness this year? I'm excited. Uh, sad there's no fans, of course. We've talked about that many times before, but uh, I'm super excited. Like you said, we got robbed last year, so should be twice as fun this year. Absolutely. So with that being said, let's, let's get right into some of the nitty-gritty and let's just talk about the one seeds for a second. So it's going to be Gonzaga, Baylor, Illinois, and Michigan. So two Big Ten teams getting one seeds. That's pretty impressive, but all the rage has been how, how good the Big Ten is kind of from top to bottom this year. So I can't say that's the most surprising thing in the world, and I've gotten the chance to watch Michigan and Illinois play a handful of times this year, covering Maryland, do, just watching basketball. Both very, very good teams, both very solid teams. I can see them being the one seeds that they are. At the same time, Baylor's been dominant, except for when they were out with a COVID pause. Very, very dominant throughout the year. One of the best shooting teams in all of the country, arguably. And then Gonzaga's undefeated and has one of the best players in the country in Jalen Suggs. If you had to pick one of those four one seeds to be the weakest of the four, who are you going with? I want to say Michigan, only because they've been a little, you know, they've been they've slowed down as of recently. But I'm going to go with Baylor just because... Well, I'm not even going to say Baylor. I'll talk about that later. But I will say Michigan because lately they haven't looked as sharp as they have most of the season. Yeah, no, I, I agree absolutely. I mean, they played Maryland in the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, and that was a really close That was on Friday, I believe. Yeah, it was close most of the way, and then they did winning things. Yeah. But, I mean, their coach got ejected. Jawan yeah. Howard got, like, a double technical mm-hmm. and was ejected. So not what you want to see if you're stretching towards winning that one seed. Still got the one seed. It doesn't matter. Maybe the lesser of Illinois if it came down between them and Illinois. But you said that they have slipped recently, and that's true. They lost a nail-biter to Ohio State to lose in the Big Ten semis. They lost 68-67. to But before the big tournament even – the Big Ten tournament, that Mm -hmm. is. Before that tournament even started, they lost to Michigan State. They lost to Illinois – I mean, they beat... They got blown out by Illinois, yeah, too, right? Yeah, like Illinois beat them 14, by 23. 23. But, I mean, they beat Indiana. They beat Michigan State on Thursday and lost to them on that Sunday. They beat Iowa by almost 22, I think. Yeah. But... And that is when I think people started to be like, 
Michigan's the real deal. Like, they could really mm-hmm. be those guys. But, I mean, besides that, Illinois has been great, like I said. I'm very excited to see what Gonzaga does. I think yeah. on an earlier podcast, I hated on Gonzaga a little bit. And rightfully so. I feel like if anyone has a hate on Gonzaga, it is because they don't get to see them play. And I am part of that, too. Like, I've only seen Gonzaga play. I saw them play a couple of times early on when the season started. I know Jalen Suggs is very good. Yeah. I've already mentioned his name. Mm-hmm. He's going to be one of the top prospects going into the NBA after this is all said and done. But we'll get into that some more with Brandon later. Who's your team to watch that's not a one seed coming into the tournament? It's not a one seed. Um, There's a couple. Alabama's really good. I think Oklahoma State can make a run. If I had to pick one, I'd probably say... I'd probably say Kansas. They started out started out the season really slow, but as of lately, they've been really hot. So yeah, and that's that is probably kind of a hot so. take because they play in the Big Twelve and yeah. they they're normally the cream of the crop. Yeah, of the they're Big 12. always. Yeah. We've talked about it before. One of the blue bloods. They haven't been that this year. There's been other teams that emerge. Whether that's Texas Tech, whether that's West Virginia, whether that's Baylor. No. Yes. Yeah, Baylor plays in the Big 12. Yeah, I don't even do. know why I had to think about that. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, mm-hmm. Texas, just a lot. No, Texas plays in the SEC. Oh. They're in the Big 12. <laughs> Are they in the SEC for football? No. This is craziness. I just feel like Texas is an SEC team. <laughs> but bad journalism on me right there. It doesn't matter. I'm very excited to see Mount St. Mary's run to the – Championship. I mean, they're playing in the play-in game against Texas Southern to get a matchup with Michigan. <laughs> and you just love to see Maryland teams represented. But the Maryland Terrapins, they got their bid. They beat Michigan State, and that pretty much locked it up for them. They were one of the first four buys. At least that's what they were reported as being before the tournament bracket came out. I had to look up what that meant because I didn't understand. But Or last four buys, I I don't know, and that just means that you don't have to play in a playing game, I'm pretty oh, sure, okay. from what I looked up yeah. and could understand. It's the f- first four in, I think? No, first four, last, it's last four in. Last four in, yeah. Last yeah. four in yeah. is like the last yeah. people that make it in, and then first four out yeah. is. Are, are the teams the, on the bubble. Yeah, the teams yeah. on the bubble, which is terrible. <laughs> I am excited to see, I'm just looking at the bracket here, there's so many teams that I just want to watch play. I really want to see what Ohio State does. We talked about it before we started recording. I mean, to take Michigan to a one-point victory, beat them, and then kind of just play tough with Illinois the whole way Mm -hmm. in the Big Ten championship game. Illinois Illinois is lethal, so to go toe-to-toe with them has to be a good sign coming into the tournament. Ultimately, probably why they were able to earn a two-seed, if we're Mm -hmm. being honest. But just looking across the rest of the bracket, I mean, all my usual teams I like to root for are in there this year, which is awesome, Maryland. I like Syracuse. I like rooting for Syracuse and Coach Bayheim. Uh, West Virginia is a West Virginia is a three seed. Yeah, that surprised me. Rightfully so, I suppose. Does Mac Mac McClung play for? He plays Texas for Texas Tech, Tech yeah. not West Virginia. I don't know why I always want to say he plays for West Virginia, but they're on here somewhere. They're, they're sure. number six seed, they're top six eight. seed. So I mean, that's going to be very yeah. good. I think they can make a run too. Yeah, and if you were coming to this podcast looking for the answer to who's going to win it all so you could put it on your bracket and win a lot of money, (laughs) you've come to the wrong place. You should probably turn us off now. We do our best. We love college basketball. I love college basketball. I try to watch as much as I can. I enjoy watching college games more than I enjoy watching NBA games. 
mm-hmm. especially more play, excitement. playoff time. Exactly, more excitement. They're a little They're bit shorter. Harder. They're yeah. a little bit shorter because sometimes we're just watching an NBA game. It just They're all 6-8. It yeah. takes – well, no, not shorter in height. I meant oh. shorter <laughs> in length because it's two 20-minute halves. Thing. Yeah, but uh, is there anybody that jumps out on this bracket right here to you as a sleeper? Sleeper? Like I said, I think Texas Tech can make a little bit of a run. Um is a sleeper. Are we talking like how deep are we talking here? Whatever you want. Because I, mean, I have a couple of sleeper teams that I think can make it a little bit far. Okay, so I we're think. so since the sweet sweet sixteen is not this weekend, but okay. next weekend, let's just go as far as there. Give me a team that you think could run to the sweet sixteen. I think Clemson honestly could has a little bit of chance. They're the number seven seed against number ten Rutgers. They've been inconsistent, but when they're hot, they're hot. Uh, another team I think could honestly make a run for it is the winner of the Michigan State and UCLA game, that play-in game. Uh, oh, yeah, you beat me to it. That's what I was going to yeah. say. Is just because... Even though I love BYU, I think both those teams, UCLA and Michigan State... Well, are I think really one thing that's worth to note about like Big Ten teams, and I might sound like a homer, I might sound like I'm hyping up the Big Ten... But it's been said all year that they are, from top to bottom, they are probably the best conference in basketball. So it doesn't really matter where they get seeded. If they're in the tournament, they're supposed to be there. I feel like they can put up a fight Mm -hmm. with anyone. So, yeah, that's the one that jumped out to me, too. I was looking at it. If they can beat – so if Michigan State, for example, beats UCLA and then they can beat BYU, I don't know why you wouldn't give them a chance against, let's say, Texas beats Abilene Christian. Yeah, exactly. So then that just leaves them with a matchup with – the winner of Alabama, Iona, or UConn, Maryland, both winnable yep. games. Imagine if we got Michigan State, Maryland, round four. That'd be crazy. Yeah. So another uh, another team, the winner of the Wichita State and Drake. I think both those teams are great too. They pl- the winner of that game would uh, play USC in the first round. Okay, so. but I don't I don't think they get past USC. I mean, I don't know. Evan yeah, Mobley. Drake Drake's. No one's paid pay attention to Drake this year, but I think they'd be a great team. And then Wichita State, I think they're usually pretty good. I think you have Fred Van Vliet hangover for nah. Wichita State. <laughs> nah. But I don't know. I really like Evan Mobley. I'm going to pull up his numbers right now and make you eat them. 16 points a game, 8.6 rebounds and 2 assists with 58.4 field goal percentage. Don't matter. And he's 7 feet tall. It don't matter. To me, not always, not always, but a lot of the times, I'll say at least in the earlier rounds, it feels like stars can lead their teams yeah, as far as it. And then once true. it gets to everybody's got the stars, then it gets a little bit harder. It depends who's deeper. It depends what's going on. But Evan Mobley, I mean, he's probably going to head on to the league after this. Yeah, he will. So 16 points a game and almost nine rebounds, almost 17 points a game. I don't know who who's going to be able to contain him on either of those squads. Mm-hmm. Who else do we have here? I mean, this is probably kind of boring right now, but I'm just so immersed in the bracket. I think San Diego State's going to be a team to watch, but they're not beating Syracuse. Take that one to the bank. Loyola Chicago, they're an eight seed, but they're playing Georgia Tech, who won the ACC tournament. So Georgia Tech is arguably one of the hottest teams coming into the tournament. Out of all of them, you have to you have to agree. I mean, they they who did they get past? They got past Virginia, I believe, because of a COVID. Yeah. Situation. I'm pretty sure because Duke was out of it earlier. Oh yeah. my! And that reminds me, my top of the hill take did not come to fruition. Yeah. <laughs> Duke had a COVID incident and, and didn't, make the, didn't continue the on. They won their first game. They did they win did, their first yeah. game, but 
It didn't come to fruition. Who do you think – what – do you think any of the high seeds right now would get bounced early on? Because I know you and I were talking about – Yeah, you know, I mean, I don't, earlier, so. I don't think any of the one seeds go down in the first round. Well, to be fair, this never happened before except for Virginia. One time. Yeah, one time out of like – Hey, guess guess what state the team that beat them was from? Maryland. UMBC. I mean, we talked about it. I feel like we always just come back to things we've talked about before. But, yeah, it's never happened. So, I don't see it happening. It hasn't happened except for the one time. I don't no. see it no, happening It's, it's this probably year. never going to happen again, too. Very that's a, rarely. That's a sad very thing. rarely. Yeah. Um, but the, the two seeds. I mean, you said Alabama's playing very good. Iona was also very good. They're mm-hmm. uh, among the top of their conference. So they The could, last two they could seed I remember fight. losing in the first round was probably Duke from... Uh, I remember that. That was like 2014. I remember that. They either played, okay, they either played Drake or. It actually might have been Drake. I think it was Drake, but then, like, around the same time, I don't exactly remember what year, but Michigan State lost to. Yes, yeah. And they were. Middle Tennessee State. Yeah. I think it was a three. What's the three matchup? 14. Yeah, three. I think they lost to the 14. Yep. Iona is coached by Rick Patino. So. I did not. Do what you want with that information. Interesting. Um, I thought. Rick Patino and Richard Patino were the same person. They're they're brothers. Wait, yeah, no, they're brothers. I believe. Gotcha. It doesn't matter. But let's. They're coached. But oh, he's the son. He's his son. Oh, Richard wow. Patino is the son of Rick Patino. I don't know. I'll tell you. I have it right here. He is thirty-eight. Be, Richard Patino is only thirty-eight. Rick Patino, I take him to strip clubs and casinos. That's from a Drake song. It's Sandra's Rose. Check it out. It's pretty solid. But Rick Patino is the coach of Iona, and that is why they might be able to stand a chance against Alabama, because coaching matters. I yeah, don't think people will fight you on that. But just I don't think Iowa's gonna get bounced by Grand Canyon, considering I've never heard of Grand Canyon. But I do think Iowa could get bounced in the round of thirty-two, and that I wouldn't be a shock. Yeah. I think that they've not not necessarily been figured out a little bit, but they're not. Their peak, like their absolute best, isn't as close as no. what some of these other teams' no. peaks are. But at the same time, their floor is higher than mm-hmm. a lot of ba- a lot of good teams yeah. when they play bad. If that makes sense. But I don't know. I mean, this bracket—it's a good bracket. I like Purdue at four as a four seed, taking on North Texas. I think you said you thought Arkansas could lose to Colgate in I the first do, round. Yeah, tell me why. I need to know. Well, Col- Colgate has the best three-point defense in all of NCAA basketball this year. And I don't know. Arkansas is letting up like 71 points per game, I think, on defense, which is a lot for a number three seed, to say the least. And I don't know. I just like Colgate a lot. I think that could be the one sleeper team this year, or at least in the first round. Yeah, you know? I mean, I think Ohio State, I've talked about them a couple times already, I think they're too hot to come in and lose yeah. in the first round. Houston, I think, is going to beat Cleveland State. I I don't know. There's always, they say that there's a 5-12. A 12 always there, beats yeah, a 5. Yeah, 12 always beats a 5. So who do we have? We have Creighton and University of California, Santa Barbara. That's the West matchup. So I'm going to give you all four of them. You tell me which one the 12 wins. Santa Barbara's the 12 seed. Yeah. So then we have... After that, it's Colorado and Georgetown. That's in the east bracket. Georgetown is the 12. Colorado is the 5. Yep. In the south bracket, it's Winthrop and Villanova. Villanova is the 5 seed. Winthrop is the 12. And then finally, in the Midwest bracket, 
It's Oregon State and Tennessee. Yep, Georgetown. You think Georgetown's yeah, the 12 I, that I wins? I have them on my bracket, yeah. They're coming in super hot as well, like you said, as, uh, what, Virginia? No. Ohio State. Uh, Ohio State, yeah. And so, Georgia Tech? Georgia said, Tech's coming in hot. Yeah. They just won the ACC I think they're tournament. also coming in super hot. They just came off a of big wins against Villanova and another top team. Who was it? They beat Creighton in Creighton, the Big East final. Creighton, Creighton and Villanova. Both shocker so, wins. So I think Georgetown is a very good Yeah, that's team. fair, I guess. I mean, just looking at the bracket, if we're just using yeah, that yeah. for our reasoning, Villanova's a five and Creighton's a five. So Georgetown beat both of them yep. and won the Big East. Yep. So, I mean, do what you want with that. The one I'm picking is, I think, well, I think Winthrop could have a chance to beat Villanova. They're a good team. They're in the tournament mm-hmm. every year. They won it not that long ago. Did they go back-to-back? I'm pretty sure they went back-to-back. Wait, who? Villanova? Villanova. No, it was... Uh, Did they get back to the championship game? It was... They won against North Carolina, and then I think... Someone won the next year, and then they won the year after that. So they won two in three years. Yes, that's exactly what yeah. they did. It went Duke in 2015, Villanova 2016. And then North Carolina. North Carolina. Yeah, and then Villanova, Villanova again. Yeah. Okay, so that's what it was. Yeah. They won two and three. So, But they're they're missing their best player in Colin Gillespie. Yeah. He got hurt. He's done for the year. That's a weakness. Still a very good team. Still a very well-coached team. I also think that the 12 matchup, the five twelve matchup in the West could be up for grabs. University of California, Santa Barbara, and Creighton. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I just feel good about it. Yeah. Um, I think that, like we said, it happens every year. A 12 beats a 5. And if it's not Winthrop over Villanova, I don't understand why it wouldn't be able to be Santa Barbara over Creighton. And also, why would you want to – I mean, the Santa Barbara players just got to be feeling good. I mean, yeah. you live your whole life in Santa Barbara and, <laughs> or versus, like, living in Creighton, which I'm yeah. pretty sure is in – like Kansas. Mm-hmm. I'm going to look up. Where is Creighton? But while I'm doing that, why don't you tell me a team that should make the Sweet 16 but won't in your eyes? Uh, I want to say... I don't... I, I want to say Baylor, but I think they'll probably still make the Sweet 16. I think Baylor's a team that will get knocked out before the Elite 8, though. Baylor? Um, yeah. A team that won't meet... The Sweet 16. Um, I'm going to say... It's in... It is, where did I say? I'm did I say, say Kansas? It's in Nebraska. Nebraska. Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah. I'm going to say West Virginia. West Virginia. Yeah. That might be a hot take. They play good defense. I mean, they shoot the they, ball they, really They well. always do, but this season they're not. That's true. They, they're averaging... I think they let up 72 points a game this year. On they are a three seed, and too. And that's... Yeah, they're a three seed, but their record's 18 and 9. Thought, so I thought that was kind of crazy. I think San Diego State's going to beat Syracuse, and then San, and then they're going to go on and beat West Virginia. But Okay, only, that's my take. only a couple of more questions just looking directly at the bracket. Then we'll talk about some other stuff. <laughs> Give me a team that you think is better than where they were ranked, and then on vice versa. Give me a team that's worse than where they were ranked. And I'll do the same. Okay. So for me, a team that. It's arguably better than where they're ranked right now. It just jumps out to me. I like Rutgers higher than 10. Not mm-hmm. much higher. Maybe yeah. a 9 or an 8. I mean, Maryland's a 10, and them and Rutgers were kind of on a similar yeah. level this year. But I don't know. Rutgers is very good when they get in and out. They have some good players. I'm pretty sure Ron Harper's son plays for Rutgers. Really? Ron, I'm pretty sure it's Ron Harper Jr. 
Yeah. I mean, I'm, and I say that because uh, the last time they played Maryland, I'm, I don't know. I only called it on the radio because I was coming home from work, but mm-hmm. they, like, held Ron Harper Jr. to, like, 0-4 shooting or something. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, that Terps defense. <laughs> yes, he is the son of former NBA player Ron Harper, and he plays for the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Gotcha. He's six foot six hmm. and 20 years old. He'll be 21 in April. So... You're older than Ron Harvard Jr., and he's playing in March Madness. And you're not. Yep. That's how it goes. Okay. And so what about your team that you think is better than their – My team that – Or worse. Worse than, than where they're ranked? Uh, give me one moment. Let me look at this. I don't know. Iowa still being at a two is a little hard for me. I know they're very good. I know they're dominant. But, I mean, I just feel like they got smacked around by the yeah, Big Ten. I agree. and. So it's like they have one of the best players in all of the country in Luca Garza. Mm-hmm. But also at the same time, they had him all year and they did get beat around a little bit. They were eighth in the nation yeah. for a while when the like when the season was still like deep into it. They beat Wisconsin by five in the Big Ten tournament and then lost by eleven to Illinois. They beat oh my goodness, they beat Wisconsin to end the season by four too. Wow. And they Oh my gosh, they're about to make me eat my words. They beat Nebraska <laughs> sixty four to one oh two. Oh, okay. And they beat Ohio State seventy three to fifty seven. So they are a very good team. But they also lost it by twenty two to Michigan. Yeah. They only beat Penn State an unranked Penn State by six. I don't know. There's not a lot of holes on this on this like schedule that I'm looking at. They mm-hmm. did lose to Indiana sixty seven to sixty five. I don't know. It's just it comes back to what I said earlier is that they're a very good team, and they have yeah. a very high floor, but I don't think that their ceiling is that far off yeah. from their floor, which could come back and haunt you mm-hmm. if you take a team lightly or if you don't come in fully prepared or even if you get to, let's say they get to the Sweet 16 and go up. They got to the Sweet 16, they would likely face, they would face the winner of, they would have to go through or, the winner of Oregon VCU, and then they would either face Kansas or USC, likely. They're the three and the six seed on yeah. that side of the bracket. So you're going to tell me, I think Evan Mobley could beat Luka Garza. I honestly do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a tough task. And then Kansas is just, uh, they're a blue blood. So you have to figure with them in the tournament. Unless they get bounced early, they're likely a team that could also have that blue blood moment where yeah. they just do what they do yeah. and what they've done. So I don't know. That's that's my team's. Uh, did Were you able to come up with anything? Yeah, so for... A team that I think is is seated too low. I think Virginia Tech. They, they were four and zero against top twenty five teams this year with wins over Villanova, Virginia. Um, they lost and Clemson, and then they lost. They lost by eighteen to Syracuse, and then eight to North Carolina. But um, they were still four and zero against top twenty five teams, and they finished the year fifteen and six. Of course, COVID affected that record. So I think they – and they're, they're seated at number 10 right now. So I think that's a little too low for them. And then for a team that I think is rated too high or seated too high, it would probably be – I want to say Iowa as well, but – Can't. I gonna, took it. <laughs> I'm probably going to go with um, – Probably Texas, honestly. Well, they played a lot of big games this year, but I don't know. They got blown out. They did beat Kansas twice, but they got blown out by Baylor. They lost twice against Texas Tech. Lost against Villanova and West Virginia. 
I don't know. Okay, so last thing we're going to do is just let's pick one team that you're just really excited to see from each each um, section of the bracket, so west, south, east, mm-hmm. and midwest. And I can start. I'm going to start in the midwest, and I'm so excited to see Oklahoma State and Cade Cunningham yeah, play sure. in playoff atmosphere yeah. college basketball games because he's probably going to go number one in the draft, like, Number one pick in the NBA draft, and he is that good. I've gotten, I probably watched him four or five times this year. I've gotten the chance. I watched him play against Oklahoma, where he was literally drawing double teams. Yeah, every possession, like they were showing a double to him every time down the court, and he just knew what to do with it. And it wasn't scoring. It wasn't always scoring. It was getting the ball to the right person. I think he's a very electric player. Yeah. He's sort of in. Like a modern LeBron James build yeah, because he's like six eight, I'm pretty say, sure, yeah. and he plays point guard. Mm-hmm. So he does those kind of things. I think that they can make some noise. Their first round matchup, they're a four seed, so it's not like they're seated lowly. Yeah, their first round matchups with Liberty, and then they could face off against Oregon State or Tennessee in the second round. So I think hopefully the dream scenario would be to see them play Illinois. Yeah, in a Sweet, Sweet 16, 16 yeah. that would be a dream yeah. scenario because then you get Io DeSumo and. Cade Cunningham facing off 1v1 mm-hmm. against each other. And before I go on any further, I don't know if you got the chance to watch Illinois really play or anything this week. Mm-hmm. Did you see Io's, like, mask? Because yeah. he got, a, like, a facial injury, yep. like, a while a while back. But someone said he looks like Batman. I don't know <laughs> if he looks like Batman necessarily, but he does look cool yeah. as anything. He just – and he his hair does something, too, because he kind of has the hair where it's just – it's all over the place, but it makes – it doesn't look bad that it's all over the place. I don't. He's one of the coolest players in yeah. college basketball. But we also got in with Io about with Brandon a little bit later, so we'll get to that. Looking at the South, I just want to see what North Carolina can do. Yeah, I do too. Because I, like I, I don't know. They had an up and down year, kind yeah. of not as bad as Duke's up and down year, but similar. Like they didn't have the mm-hmm. year that they're used to having. I like Roy Williams as a coach. Yeah, I know I you do him. too. Went over nine hundred wins this year. Very excited to see what they can do. They have a good first-round matchup with Wisconsin, another one of those Big Ten teams. Mm-hmm. Maryland beat Wisconsin this year. Just saying. I know this isn't a Maryland fan podcast, but I'm excited to see North Carolina because if they beat Wisconsin, then they'll likely play Baylor yeah, in the yeah. second round. And I'm sorry. I don't know who I would want to stack up against Baylor that early. That mm-hmm. It wouldn't be UNC. You know yeah. what I mean? Because we talked about it with Kansas, the blue blood like mentality. They might not have all the stars that they're used to having. They might not have had the season that they're used to having. Sooner or later, like, school pride can just click mm-hmm. for some teams sometimes, yep. and it only takes one game. And that's the beauty of March Madness in itself. Moving over to the West, I I don't know. I really want to see what Ohio is able to do. They're the 13 seed. They're playing against Virginia. I've seen a lot about them on TikTok I recently. have too, yeah, yeah. like a lot about yeah. them on TikTok. I think they won their conference tournament. I think they play in the MAC, so I think they won the MAC tournament. A lot of people are gonna are saying that they're gonna be that they're coming Virginia. in very yeah. very hot. So uh, just maybe just because of that, I'm excited yeah. to see what they do. But I also have grown to like have this dislike for Virginia, just <laughs> being from Maryland is yeah. all. But dislike for Virginia. So it would be cool to see Ohio make some noise. They're a 13 seed, like I said, and then just in the East, I just want Maryland to beat UConn. I really want that. I want them to not have a game where everything goes wrong. I want them to have a game where they play good defense and things go right. Mm -hmm. Because then I want to see them play Alabama and beat Alabama. And I want to see them... When would they face off? 
Michigan in the lead eight. In the lead eight. That's yeah. so far down the road. Who would I rather see them play? Okay, I, here's my dream scenario for Maryland. I'm going to take like 15 seconds and do this. So Maryland beats. They beat UConn. Just easy. No problem. Who cares about UConn? And then they beat Alabama. Who cares about Alabama? It's Maryland's time. And then, so then they would play, let's say they play. Texas. Yeah, let's say they play Texas. Let's say Texas beats Michigan State. And then it's horns down, we beat Texas, just like we do in football. <laughs> so then we get to, that was the Sweet 16, right? They yeah. beat Texas. So then, then it's the Elite Michigan. 8. Then they're getting Michigan again. <laughs> right where we want them. Right where Maryland wants them. And so they beat Michigan, and then they go to the Final Four. And from there, it's just a cakewalk to a yeah, championship. Uh-huh. They face off against Io, DeSumo, and Kofi Coburn in the national championship. It's an all-Big Ten national championship. And it's not the fighting Illini that come out on top. <laughs> it's them dirty turps. You got to put all your money on that? I'm betting the house. All right. I'm betting, betting the, house. the house on Maryland. All right. No, but in real talk, I'm not a better. I've never been a better. I hate – there's nothing I hate more than losing money. But for whatever reason, I decided I'm just going to take $100 this year, and I'm going to try and bet on every game in the first round. And then whatever money I have left after that, I'm going to put right back in and bet on every game in the second round. And so if I have any money left by the time it's all over, that would just be a fun thing to do. But I'm not putting in more than I said I'm putting yeah. in because That's smart. Yeah. that would be a wormhole. But yeah. And like I said, I hate, I hate losing money. It's just ever since I've been like a little kid. That was my nice little aside <laughs> of the day. I'm good for, like, one of those every time. Let me hear your teams that you're excited to watch. All right, so in the West, I'd like to see – I'm really excited to see Gonzaga because I haven't seen too many of their games this year, and you never know what they're going to do every single year because they play in the terrible conference, and they always have this good record where they're undefeated like this year. They have a couple losses – and they're the number one seed, so you don't know what they're going to do against the top 64 teams in college basketball. In the South, I'm going to go with North Carolina as well because I'm really excited to see what they can do. Um, Rory Williams usually isn't in this position where he's seeded lower than like a four or five seed, so I'm really excited to see what he does as an eight seed this year. Um, in the Midwest, I really want to see probably Illinois because I th- – they're my favorites to win this year, so I'm excited to watch them play. And then, oh, hold on, we got to take a break. Then we got to take a break. Then what's that? Illinois is your favorite to win it all. They are. If I recall, I know, I know. You made I a picked, completely did, different did. top of the hill I take did. last week. Same conference, mine different are usually, team. You know. Hey, I don't. I think we're probably if we've done nine podcasts, at least we're probably, mine didn't already end. We're probably hey, we're probably <laughs> over eighteen. Probably yeah. So it doesn't Not matter. But start. I just wanted to point that out because I didn't forget. <laughs> but go ahead. Yeah, well, I don't think. I mean, they still could make a run, but I don't think Michigan's really gonna. I don't know. They've just been too inconsistent lately. And then in the East, I'm really excited to see Georgetown. I think they can make a uh, a run. Would you buy a so, Patrick Ewing jersey? I would, yeah, home? I would. Did you see his press conference where someone was asking, like, who he was in his own building? Okay, no but, no, but I did hear about it. I heard yeah. that, like, he was walking around without a badge yeah, out or something. Yeah, and, like, a security guard was like, who, like, why are you back here or something? And in his, his post-game conference, he was like, everyone should know who the hell I am. <laughs> My jersey's up in the in – the, uh, Patrick Ewing. Yeah. Did you ever hear the conspiracy about how the NBA raised yes. him to New York? Uh, yep. We don't have time for that today, but 
on a different topic. It was like the first – okay, we do have time for it today. <laughs> but it was like the first year of the lottery, of the mm. NBA draft lottery. And so the story goes – the w- version I've heard is that they like – They froze it? They froze, yeah, they froze the, the Knicks card. That way he, and so when Stern reached in to get it, it was the one it. that was cold. Mm. And they pulled it out and the Knicks got the first pick because they needed to revitalize the New York Your, market yeah, because it's such a big yeah. market. Uh, yeah, well, I saw the video, and he was, like, watching it the whole entire time. He, like, kept a close eye on the paper, <laughs> it looked like. So whether he was just really good at finding where it was at or they did freeze it, I think that's crazy. Yeah. But I wouldn't doubt it. No, I mean, it may make kind of makes sense, but, but they use ping pong balls It's just crazy because, like, where, where do you think, I don't know, just where – I just wonder what would happen to his career if he went to if he wouldn't have gone else, to New yeah. York. Yeah, it probably would have taken a different trajectory, yeah. but it didn't matter because he still had to go up against MJ his pretty much his entire career. Yeah, so. but how would it? You know, he wouldn't have to face him in the true. East. He would you know, to if go, he went yeah, to the West team, he true. would have to wait until the finals. That's at least. true. I didn't but, think about um, that. But that pretty much wraps our back and forth <laughs> on this bracket. We're gonna talk more on our next episode once it gets down to the Sweet 16, and it's just the 16 teams that are left. But that's not till the weekend after this one, so that's for a later date. We did do a really great interview this week for this episode. Like I said at the top of the show, like I said at the top of the hill. Um, oh my goodness! But his name's Brandon Simberg. He's a former classmate of mine. We used to go to school together at University of Maryland. He transferred to. Illinois, I guess they call it the University of Illinois or mm-hmm. Illinois University, whatever it is. He, we're both journalism majors. He covers all things basketball. He does some work for a website. It's called Busting Brackets, where he also covers um, NBA draft content and NBA draft prospects. So Tyler and I took the time on Thursday night before the Big Ten tournament wrapped up to talk to him. So we talked a lot of Big Ten basketball, a lot of teams to watch, a lot of players to watch, and he had some really good insight. So we're going to put that one, that interview right here on the other side of our new March Madness sound. Thank you, CBS, for letting us use it. We have here, it's Brandon Simberg, fellow former UMD alumni well not alumni yet but now he transferred to illinois covers a lot of college hoops uh before we get started with any questions for you do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself yeah so like logan said i was at maryland for my first two years i covered the men's basketball team last year at maryland and so i got to cover a big 10 champion and then i'm from chicago and the pandemic hit so i took some time to reflect and decided to transfer closer to home so i go to the university of illinois now where I covered the men's basketball team here at Illinois. And uh, they had a really good season, finishing second place in the Big Ten. But, yeah, you know, like Logan said, former Maryland student, journalism major, and just a, just a basketball and college basketball fanatic and geek. So excited to come on and talk to you guys today. Yeah, absolutely. And so, like, just how you said, a huge college basketball fanatic. If you look at your Twitter at all, you can kind of tell. Before we even look at March Madness, what are some of your takeaways – if you had to say, like, maybe three big takeaways from this season, do you have that, whether it's in the Big Ten, the Big 12, just in general? Uh, so I think that – I mean, I think Gonzaga and Baylor are, like, the two best teams by far. I know for a week Michigan was the, like, AP number two team, but 
I never really bought into Michigan as better than Baylor just because they lost coming off a of COVID pause. And I think they're two really special teams that would stack up in any non-COVID year. The two of my favorite teams to watch. There are two teams that I've really enjoyed seeing play. And so that's kind of like my big first, my big takeaway is that those teams are really special. And I guess my next one talking about that next batch of teams is that I think this tournament's going to be pretty crazy after Gonzaga and Baylor, I could totally see any team going down early. I think there's a lot of parity, a lot of like good but not great teams across the board. So that's what has me excited for the tournament. And three, you know, the season it was weird with games getting canceled and games you want to see getting postponed. But I'm really grateful we have college basketball back at all. You know, we're, we're talking on March 11th, and this was the day last year when Rudy Gobert tested positive for coronavirus. And then the following day, the season shut down. So this was the last day of games last year. So I'm just, I'm just happy that I can wake up tomorrow and watch basketball games on March 12th. And I'm just happy that we get to have games and it's been an exciting year. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, it's been awesome. Maryland personally been up and down, but that's almost been just part of the ride this year. Being at Illinois, what has it been like to cover that team and all the, the great talent they have? And they've kind of just been if not the top dog, one of the top dogs in the Big Ten all year. How much fun has that been? Yeah, it, it feels like Maryland last year where you have a team that's at the top of the Big Ten that isn't like a powerhouse like Michigan State or Wisconsin or Michigan. You know, it's kind of this one-off special season. So the vibes surrounding the team kind of feel the same way. You know, the fan base is super passionate about basketball. That's something I didn't really know before coming here. But they supported this team even when they were bottom feeders in the Big Ten. So the fan base has really been enjoying it. And then, like you said, just this team this year, they're one of the top dogs. I mean, Ayo Desumu is a national player of the year candidate. He does something amazing, it feels like, once every other night. Kofi Coburn is one of the biggest guys in basketball. He, he leads the country in dunks. And I'm a fan of dunks, so I like, I like watching him play. Uh, it's, it's been exciting, and they've been really good, and I'm excited to see what they do in these next few weeks. So talking about your fan base, how do you think the lack of – or the, you know, how there's not going to be any fans this year. So how do you think that's going to affect Illinois and every other team in the bracket this year? Yeah, you know, I actually – I went to an Illinois game last year for Illinois-Maryland uh, when they played in Champaign. And their stadium was one of the loudest ones I heard in the Big Ten. So for those players this year, it was definitely an adjustment not hearing fans. But I think that they've gotten used to it and it levels the playing field and there's no advantage or disadvantage. I will say in a typical NCAA tournament, they seed teams in regions closer to where they're supposed to play, especially if you're a top seed. So in those first two rounds in a normal year, Illinois would have a fan advantage if they were playing in like St. Louis, which is not super far away or Chicago. So they won't have that advantage that a top seed normally does. But I think this is a team that can create their own energy. You know, I've noticed their bench getting into it and being loud. And I think from an Illinois perspective, they will be prepared to create their own energy and the other teams, you know, I haven't been in their stadiums, but they're going to have to do the same thing as well. Because like you said, the fans are not going to be, making as much of an impact, it's going to have to come down to the players and the 10 guys on the court. Yeah, and do you think there's going to be less upsets because of that? That's a, that's a good question. I mean, I think a lot of times when you go to these, these stadiums and you have, like, a couple teams playing at the same site, like the 4-13 game will be played and then the 5-12 game will be played mm -hmm. next, you see, like, the low, the if it's a 5-12 game, you see the four-seed fans – 
like root for the 12 seed. Yeah. I, actually think, I actually think that helps in creating upsets because mm-hmm. people like to root for the underdogs and the Cinderella stories, you know, like I can only imagine how many people were rooting for Florida Gulf Coast when they were taking down Georgetown or something like that. So I think in a way that might hurt upsets, but I just think with the lack of, with the parity this year and the, the kind of randomness of the sport, you know, you see all these AP top 25 teams not named Gonzaga or Baylor losing, like yeah. these teams are vulnerable and these teams are beatable. I think we're going to have upsets. And I think we're going to have a crazy tournament. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with that too. I think it's going to be nuts. You talked a little bit, a little bit earlier ago about how you don't really think Michigan is maybe as good as what they were ranked. What do you think a team like Michigan who I've seen dismantle the, the Terps like firsthand this year, <laughs> what do you think their peak is? If you had to say so. Yeah, I think they're good, and I do think they can make a Final Four. Uh, they they were a little slow. They were a little slower at the end of the season, losing to both Illinois and Michigan State in the last week. So they, I'm worried that they hit their peak too early. But I do think they can get back to that point and make a Final Four. You know, Hunter Dickinson, a Maryland kid, has destroyed the Terps twice, like you said. But he's destroyed everyone in the Big Ten. He's been really good. And I think if the you know Michigan's going to be a one seed, if the bracket lines up a certain way, I can totally see Michigan making a Final Four. Do I think they can beat Gonzaga or Baylor? Probably not. I I would it would I don't think I'm going to pick against those teams. But you know maybe on the right night they can go their way. But I definitely see them as a Final Four team. And you know, if, but if, if they lost in the second round, it wouldn't shock me either. So yeah. I think yeah. they have a wide range. Yeah, so I also I just looking at your Twitter just to get prepared, like to ask you some questions. You do some draft content for busting brackets, right? Yep. So that means you kind of have just seen a bunch of players around around the college basketball landscape this year. Is there any teams that you've gotten a chance to see because of a certain player that might be a lower seed that you think could make some noise basically in the tournament? Yeah, so Western Kentucky out of Conference USA, they have one of the best bigs in college basketball in Charles Bassey. He's a seven-footer averaging over like 18 points per game, 12 blo- or 12 rebounds, four blocks. That's a mismatch for high major teams. You know, if you're a five seed and you see that guy standing across from you in the 12-5 game, he can be problematic for sure. And, I, and they actually beat Alabama earlier in the year. So Western Kentucky – I think they just made it to the final four of the Conference USA tournament. So they just got to win two more games and they're in. But Western Kentucky is a team to watch. And this is not a low major team, but I, th- I feel like people are sleeping on Oregon. They're, uh, they're 18 or 19 and four right now. They have a star and an NBA player in Chris Duarte who's had a really good year. I just don't think people pay attention to the West Coast, but I think they're going to go in as a five or six seed and be way better than that. I think they're as good as some of these teams in the two or three seed line. So that's a team that I think could make a Final Four run from a, maybe a, a little lower-seeded spot. Yeah, so, I mean, I've kind of heard it argued all throughout the year, and I'm sure you might lean with me where I say the Big Ten is the best basketball in the, in the U.S., in the country. Which, if you had to stack up the Big 12 and the Big Ten together right now, which one would you pick? Because I've gotten a chance to watch a lot of Big 12 basketball over the last two, three weeks, and there are some very, very good teams in that conference. This might surprise you because I am a Big Ten guy, but I actually lean the Big, Te- the Big 12. I think that those teams get docked unfairly for losing to each other. And the league is smaller, so they have less like quality teams and they have four less teams. And I'm not going to defend the bottom part of the league. I, I don't think Iowa State's good. I don't think Kansas State's good. I don't think TCU's that good. But those top seven teams, which is Baylor, Texas, Kansas, Texas Tech, 
Oklahoma State, West Virginia, and Oklahoma. All seven of those teams are comfortably in the tournament. They're all going to be on the top six line. I think a lot of them have the potential to make a Final Four run. Texas earlier in the year was a top five team, then went on a COVID pause and struggled, but they have a lot of talent. Oklahoma State is one of the hottest teams in the country right now with Cade Cunningham. Kansas has kind of started to turn things around recently. And then, like I said, I think Baylor is one of the two best teams. So I think the Big Ten has more quality teams, but I think that's just a virtue of they have more teams in their league. I think the Big 12 is a team that's going to see more teams in the Elite Eight and Final Four, actually. So I lean the Big 12, but, I mean, they're both amazing. I'm not trying to take away from the Big Ten by any means. Yeah, absolutely. They've both been awesome to watch this year. So you talked about Cade Cunningham there for a second, and that kind of leads me to the next thing I wanted to ask you is, is there any players that maybe we should be on the lookout for during the tournament that we could see trans- translate to the next level pretty well that we might not know about right now? Yeah, K- Cade Cunningham is the number one guy. He's the best He's the best prospect. I mean, he's 6'7", 6'8", an insane passer. He scores when he wants to. He defends. He's made an Oklahoma State team that isn't that talented. He's turned them into a pretty good group, and so I think they're going to be in the mix when we get down the line here. Uh, I think the second-best player in this draft is Evan Mobley, and he's going to be in the tournament with USC. They're comfortably in. He's a center who's just long and rangy at seven feet, but he moves really well, and he passes really well, and – he can shoot really well. And then from there, I think some interesting teams to watch are Tennessee. They have two guys I like that are first-round lottery talents in Jaden Springer and Keon Johnson. So Tennessee is another team that I'm going to keep my eye on. Oh, and then another obvious one is Jalen Suggs on Gonzaga, freshman guard, one of the most exciting players in the country on one of the best teams. He's just He's going to have a moment in this tournament where he hits some crazy step-back three or some insane dunk or block and – I think, I think people know who he is, but I think in the tournament he'll have a big moment. Who do you think is going to win all this year? I am so torn between Baylor and Gonzaga. I really go back and forth. I think that, like, you know, people say Gonzaga didn't play anybody. They're not legit. I don't buy that. They crushed anyone they played in the non-conference. But what I like about Baylor is that they're a little deeper. Gonzaga really only plays seven, six guys when it matters. And Baylor's bench is deeper they can have an off night from their star, Jared Butler, and then other guys like Davion Mitchell and Macy O.T. can step up. They're the best three-point shooting team in the country, and they defend a little bit better than Gonzaga. So I'm actually going to – this is kind of a zag, no pun intended, the zag. But, uh, <laughs> I'm actually going to zag here and say I think Baylor's going to win it all. Yeah, I mean, I got the chance to watch Baylor play West Virginia. I think if it wasn't last week, it was two weeks ago. It was like a 6-3 game. And – I was, I was watching with my dad, and, like, the final six, seven minutes, it was just shot after shot after shot. And then they both went ice cold, and then it went to OT, but then Baylor ended up pulling it out. I think they're very good. I didn't even realize until probably about three weeks into their COVID shutdown that they were on a COVID shutdown. So it was cool to <laughs> yeah. see them come back and all. But kind of transitioning towards some other teams, do you think – so the talk this year has been that, like, the lackluster performance from some of the Blue Bloods, do you think some of those teams not being in the tournament after they've been kind of mainstays year in and year out, do you think that's going to make for a better March Madness or do you think they'll be missed in a sense? That's kind of a loaded question. So go. Yeah, I think it all depends on your preference. You know, there's so many anti-Duke people out there and people that don't like Kentucky and are happy to see them not succeed. But the thing is like those teams always create amazing storylines. Like when Duke is in a close game in the tournament, 
doesn't matter what seed they are, what game it is, what region it is, people are going to tune in to watch Duke. I think it's good, you know, even in a year when Duke was bad, it still feels like they dominated the headlines. You know, they, they had Coach K cancel uh, the non-conference after Illinois crushed them, and, like, that was a story. Jalen Johnson quit the team. That was a story. Even recently, and this is more unfortunate, you know, they had a COVID pause, but that's all I saw today on ESPN was talking mm-hmm. about Duke. Yeah. Duke, Duke. And it can, annoying. it can get annoying, but at the same time, when Duker and Kentucky are in a close game in the tournament, I think it's really exciting. And I think it kind of unites the country as the anti-blue blood and root for the little guy. So I do think they'll be missed. I think they'll be missed. Yeah. And I mean, I'm like, if I'm not the number one, I'm up there somewhere. Grew up in Maryland. I'm, I'm a Duke hater. Like I don't yeah. like, I have always liked Kentucky though. So I do think it'll be weird that some of these guys, some of these teams won't be there this year. But I also think it's interesting because of the other teams that have built their story and their legacy, because when there's no Duke or there's no Kentucky that allows a team like Illinois to just kind of come up and really be a big dog or Michigan with Jawan Howard to really be a big dog. You said, we talked earlier, you said you're going to get a chance to go catch some of the big 10 games tomorrow. Yep. Just in what we talked about, how it's a deep conference, where do you expect the chips to kind of fall with that tournament? And do you think that can have an effect on where people end up in seating, seating wise? So going into the tournament, I was actually leaning towards Iowa they're playing really well right now. They picked up like six of the last seven or seven of the last eight. And I think they've kind of gotten over that midseason slide they have with CJ Frederick out. But then all Big Ten guard Joe Wieskamp hurt his ankle against Wisconsin last Sunday. And I still don't know his status for the tournament. But, I, you know, an ankle injury kind of lingers. So I doubt he's 100%. And then with Michigan, it doesn't look like starting guard Eli Brooks is going to play. He also hurt his ankle last Sunday. So that kind of makes it less – it makes it less interesting to me because I want to see every, t- every team at full strength. But And not to be a homer here, and if you do follow me on Twitter, Illinois fans think, like, I hate Illinois because I don't, I don't always pick them. But I do think Illinois is going to win the Big Ten tournament. I think they're playing their best basketball right now, and they're motivated. I don't know how close you guys have been following this, but, you know, Michigan won the Big Ten by win percentage, but Michigan – but Illinois won more games and beat them head-to-head, and Michigan missed three games. And all Illinois Twitter and even their players after they beat Ohio State last Sunday were talking about is that, like, we deserve to win. We think we're the champs. So what better way to do that than go out and win the Big Ten tournament? So I think because Illinois is playing their basketball and they're super motivated, I'm going to go with the Illini. Yeah, I mean, you can't hate on that pick. You cover them day in and day out. Yeah, I mean, you're in the right to make that pick right there. Yeah, and going back to uh, you and your busting brackets, how did you get into doing that draft content? Yeah, so I mean, growing up, I actually liked the NBA more than college basketball. I was more of like an NBA fan in high mm-hmm. school. It just, for whatever reason, it, it, it stuck out to me. And then, you know, as I got early into high school, I really liked wa- like following the draft and the draft night. I thought it was so exciting. And so... As I got, and later on in high school, I played uh, in the Nike EYBL, which is one of the top basketball leagues in the country and I, for AAU. And I saw all these scouts there and just scouting these guys. And I got to firsthand watch guys like, you know, we played against Tyler Harrow, Marvin Bagley, Cam Reddish, and just watching those guys and seeing how the scouts evaluated them. You know, it, it, it was a different way to think about the game. And so now I think that the draft is a really good combination of like my love of the NBA and my love of college basketball because it's a great way to see how these guys combine and, and like what, what translates, what doesn't, who's a good college player, 
but maybe not a good pro and you know who's maybe not a great college player but is young and has the tools to succeed so I just kind of started writing about it at busting brackets and it's been one of my favorite things and it makes it more interesting because like Logan said you know I'm I'm more inclined to watch like a Western Kentucky game to check on a guy and then I get to see more teams and even when I watch NBA now I'm like oh you know, how would like a guy like this fit into this system or things like that. So that's kind of what I love about the draft. It's, it's just a great mix of, you have to, you have to care and know about the NBA, but you also have to watch a lot of college. So it kind of combines a a few of my interests. You almost got to eat, sleep and breathe basketball in a sense. So is that something that like, when you're done with your degree, whenever that is, is that something that you want to chase kind of doing NBA coverage in the sense where you maybe are a draft analyst or something like that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, like one of my good friends is named Jeremy Wu. He's the, he's like a mentor to me. He writes for the NBA draft at Sports Illustrated. And I just think his job is awesome. Like pre-pandemic, he would just fly out the country to different games, uh, watch college players, watch high school players, watch the NBA occasionally. Like, I think that is like a really good use of, you have to write and know how to write and be a good writer, but you can, you know, you can use it to talk about the draft and basketball. So we'll see. I'm pretty open. You know, if, if I go into just being a beat writer somewhere, I would love that. I could if I could write about the NBA draft I would love that if I could work for an NBA or college team I would love that I'm kind of keeping my options open right now as the one I as to what I want to do but like you said I I eat I eat sleep and breathe basketball like I just want to work in basketball yeah for sure and I mean I kind of do the same thing we come from the same major like right. I, have, I have my personal interest but I still kind of just am open to whatever comes up and whatever an opportunity is only a couple more questions for you here I saw on Twitter the other day that you decided to go at um, Marty Mush because he Uh-oh. had a bad take because he said that, I think it was, I think he said DeSumo was going to play with a mask or something. And he was in fact not playing at all. What do you think about, I mean, I've listened to his uh, Marty Mush's basketball podcast for Barstool very briefly. And I turned it off because I hate his voice. If you have an opinion on him, what is it? I didn't really know much about him prior to this whole IO story. And well, and so here's what happened. So IO uh, breaks his nose against Michigan state. And like there are rumors of, is he going to play? Is he not going to play? And then Marty Mush tweets out before their next game, which was against Nebraska, that IO's out until the big 10 tournament. And nobody had confirmed this. And like, I don't know where this guy's sources are. And Logan, you know, as a journalism major, yeah. You have to be sourced. You have to have sources. So fortunately, I know people in IO's camp. And so I, I called them up. I was like, hey, what's the IO status? And they said he's out tonight, but he wants to get back before the end of the Big Ten tournament. So hearing that directly from IO's camp, like to me, that was just Marty Mush tweeting out random nonsense for clout. And he was wrong about it. And then a week a, a week later, he he tweets out before the Michigan game, IO Desumu was supposed to play. And he did warm up. He did go through shoot around, but I had heard nothing that he was going to play. So again, as you know, as a journalism major, you can't be wrong. And I don't know if he wants to be a journalist or some comedian that like, I, I, yeah. don't, I, don't, I don't know exactly what he wants to be, but in journalism, you can't be wrong. And it was just so annoying. The amount of text I got that said, oh, Marty Mush says he's playing. So he's <laughs> playing. I was like, no, this guy is not sourced. He's not credentialed. Um, so I had no opinion of him before. And He's good for bar, you know, barstool. It's like yeah. it's joking, it's funny. I think he has whatever he does, he's good at. Just, just don't step into the stu- the scoops game if you're going to be wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I wasn't trying to bait you into like a setup answer or anything. There, I was genuinely just wondering because 
that is the difference between like what you and I do and what some of the guys at Barstool do is they call it when I listen to a, a different Barstool, I listen to part of my take a lot and they, they make fun of Jake because he's a big J because he went to Syracuse right. and that's like big J journalism. And then the other guys are just out there with their takes and their bets and all that. But I also, what was I going to ask? I also saw that um, it was something else I saw on your Twitter account. Oh, you kind of had a couple of gripes with some of the selection for the big 10 awards. So I saw you said something about Michigan and Franz Wagner, and I think that might have just been Franz Wagner. And you, you used, like, a really interesting stat in the, like, the, just the little excerpt that I read. Mm-hmm. Do you have any issues with Daryl Morsell as Defensive Player of the Year? So I had Daryl on my all-defense team. I thought he was one of the five best defenders in the league. Like I, and it's, it's so subjective. Like, my gripe was that I thought Franz Wagner was the best defender in the league and I have all these advanced stats to back it up. Like Michigan was the best defensive team in the league and they didn't get a single player on the all defense team that didn't sit right with me. And with Wagner on the court, uh, they were 13 points better defensively, like per 100 possessions. So he had the biggest impact on the best defense in the league. If they didn't want to award him defensive player of the year. That's fine. I actually, if like, if I wanted someone to face guard a guard and like shut them down, I would probably go to Daryl. He's a better on-ball defender. Franz is kind of more off-ball, steals, help defense, blocks. But my gripe was that he was like a consensus top two or three defender, and they didn't even put him on the team. And it's coaches who vote. Like, to me, I thought the coaches were maybe anti-Michigan or whatever. So my gripe was that the coaches who, like, have to game plan against this guy and have saw him tear up their teams defensively didn't put him on the all-defense team, but – that, that was my gripe, but I think Daryl's Defensive Player of the Year was deserving. He's an awesome defender. Yeah, I, so, I mean, I've, I've been following Maryland, not as close as maybe I did last year, but I saw them kind of start petitioning, like all his teammates and stuff, being like he should be the Defensive Player of the Year. And I was like, I wonder if this is just noise or if it's actually that legitimate. But he has been playing great defense this year, but I just figured it would go to a player with a team that had more wins because Maryland has been so up and down. So it was it was cool to see him get that Defensive Player of the Year award, especially with being from Baltimore, being kind of a hometown kid, and seeing his friend Jalen Smith, one of his best friends, move on to the NBA this year. But I don't have any of the awards list in front of me. Do you have any other – anybody anywhere else that sticks out that maybe you would – if you were voting, you would have gone in a different direction? Yeah, the all Big Ten teams, I kind of went in a different direction with some of them. I had Purdue's Trevian Williams, my first team, over Kofi Coburn. But it was really close for me. I had Franz, Franz Wagner first team, but – I knew he wouldn't get it. I mean, they didn't even respect his defense, so I knew he wasn't I knew he wasn't gonna get first team. I mean, for the most part, I thought they did a fair job with the awards. You know, Luca versus Io for player of the year was super close. And again, the Illinois fans like were mad at me, but I did pick Luca Garza. He he was incredible. He was an inevitable he was inevitable. That guy is just a walking twenty-five and eleven every night. So I didn't really have any other major gripes. Yeah, absolutely. And then, like I said, I don't really have any more questions, but I do think it is really cool that you've been able to cover Illinois because I think Io and I think Coburn are two just very interesting guys and players. I know it's a COVID year, so maybe access is more limited. Have you gotten to, if not like speak with them, like do anything kind of directly with them covering the beat? So in terms of a one-on-one, no, um, but I'll share this. So me and Io, we, we know each other. I'm a Chicago kid. He's a Chicago kid. We played together as kids, and then we actually teamed up uh, in AAU my junior year. So I know him pretty well. Um, he's, he's very locked in. Like, that guy does not do anything but go to the gym and go home and play Xbox. So I've gotten to play Xbox with Io 
uh, throughout the season. And he's just, he, you know, off, off the court, he's just a fun, funny guy. You know, he doesn't take himself too seriously as, as good at basketball as he is. And the one thing I'll say about Kofi is that even in our big media Zoom availabilities, he's one of the funnier guys to talk to. He has a really good personality. Um, he's introspective with his answers. It, and my favorite guy from the Maryland beat was Daryl Morcel, actually, who we just talked about. I thought Daryl had this great Baltimore personality, didn't take himself too seriously. So I think that Kofi, that's been a revelation for me because I knew Io would be someone good to talk to, but I generally get excited when we have to talk to Kofi Coburn because he's always in a good mood and it usually brightens my day. Yeah, that's awesome. You need that. So I, I didn't know that about you and Io. What is it like having to now cover him, but still kind of maintaining the relationship you've built? Because that's got to be somewhat difficult, right? No, it, it 100% is. And, you know, when I first came here, everyone thought he was going to the NBA. So I was like, okay, like, I didn't really want to have to do it. And there is times it's like, if he plays bad, like, I have to, you know, I have to say it. That's my job. I have to be unbiased. And that doesn't happen much. But, and then there's, there's other times it's just like, it's weird. Like, it's, it's almost hard for me to look at him as one of the best players in college. When I see him as like this, like, lanky middle school kid that, who was like good, but he wasn't like a star by any means. It's, it's not weird that that guy has transcended to one of the best players in college basketball. And the fact that you didn't know that is good because that means that I do a good job of hiding exactly. it exactly. on Twitter. And that, that's, ultimately that's the end goal, just to give unbiased coverage. When he does good, I'll give him his props. And when he does bad, you know, I have to, I have to say it how it is. So it's, yeah, definitely, been, it's definitely been weird, but um, it's, it's been, I mean, it's been great. Like I said, Illinois is awesome. He's awesome. It's, it's fun to cover a good team. Yeah, for sure. And I, and from my experience, you've done a great job of that because I've been following your Illinois coverage because they are a team that I'm interested in because I don't like Michigan. I like Illinois. They're cool when they're good. So that's that's really interesting story. And like I said, you've done a great job of maintaining the professionalism that we all strive for while apparently also having this underneath relationship. But you've talked about a couple of times now about some of your AAU and like high school ball experience. What was, what was your basketball career like, if I can go down that wormhole with you? Yeah, um, you know, growing up, like, in Chicago, in the Chicagoland area, it's, it's a basketball city, man. Like, people, people love basketball. There's so many AAU games, so, so many AAU teams, so many good high school teams. Like, I just kind of grew up loving the game, you know. Some of my earliest favorite memories were watching, like, Jabari Parker play in high school, who's, like, the, the top five recruit. Like, I love watching Jabari play. Julio for Jalen Brunson. So I played AAU all throughout, um, all throughout my life, stopping at junior year, which is when it stops. I played, I was a three-year varsity player. I actually transferred after my sophomore year to, to a bigger public school, but yeah. And then, like I said, I, I was lucky enough to play with IO on the McIrvin fire, which is the name of the Nike EYBL team. And the league, you know, the league was so deep and competitive. Like you have so many different guys on different, on different teams. We had Io and uh, Taylor Horton Tucker, who now plays for the Lakers, right? So we have two guys that are going to be in the NBA. And in our 16 Nike UIBL games, we still went three and 13. Like that is how good the other teams were. And you had a team with Bull Bull and Sharif O'Neal. You had a team with uh, Trey Jones, Daniel Oturu, and Gabe Kalsher, who like, you know, all Minnesota kids. So like just for me, like I didn't play a ton on those teams. I was like definitely a, a bench role player, but just that experience uh, was incredible. Yeah, I mean, Tyler and I, just to, like, preface, we played a couple years at AAU together growing up, just in, like, the ninth and 10th grade. We were not playing guys anywhere near the level of guys that you were playing, and we did not have a kid on our team that was over six foot two. 
So we were staying in those like lackluster tournaments. The best one we ever had was one in West Virginia where we finished the tournament with six healthy players. So, Oh, hey, yeah, Rob, was, Rob, if you stayed healthy, that's a lot of playing time for you guys. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think we, and we ended up playing the best team. We scored like 14 points. It was terrible, but that was a lot of fun. But yours was definitely a lot different. What is it like for you to now watch and cover these guys that you kind of grew up playing with and against and just they're on TV like every night on the NBA? Is yeah, it's surreal or a weird thing. It is. It is definitely weird. It, it, it's amazing to see how like these guys grow and you know who made it big and who didn't. Like I, I think of Tyler Harrow and he's from Milwaukee, so that's not super far from me. Like I remember the first time I played him was in fifth grade and he was short but had really long arms and he was a really good shooter. But he was still like the third best guy on his team and he just kind of slowly got better, slowly got better, hits his growth spurt and all of a sudden like. He's Tyler Harrow and he's giving the Boston Celtics 30 points in the conference finals. Like, like that is like surreal to see. Um, even look at, looking at a guy like Io, who was not like, he was good in high school, but he wasn't, he wasn't the top ranked player in our state for a while. He was even like top five. He was kind of borderline top 10 and just seeing the improvements he's made on his jump shot and seeing like the improvements he puts in, in the weight room, like that, that guy grinds in the weight room. And I was able to see that in high school. So it's cool to see that kind of come to fruition. And yeah, like I said, it, it, like you said, it is surreal to be like, oh, that's Tyler Harrow or that's Taylor Horton Tucker making these huge contributions in big NBA games. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I'm a huge Lakers fan. So like Taylor Horton Tucker one night got LeBron his 10th assist like that. That's awesome. So when you said, but I mean, I don't really have much more. Tyler, do you have any more? I, knowing what you know now about, <laughs> his, his NBA connections like that is crazy yeah for sure <clears throat> definitely a cool thing yeah so like I said that does it for us thank you Brandon for taking the time to talk with us I feel like we learned a lot we got a lot of good information before the tournament um do you have anything else for us that you would want us or our listeners to know nah man I mean Logan it, it was great catching up man yeah uh, we, we all definitely gotta stay in touch uh, as the tournament progresses because it's going to be really exciting and no I, I appreciate you guys having me on and talking to me today it meant a lot yeah for sure so thank you steps into it pass is caught Diggs Okay, on the other side of our conversation with Brandon very great interview I had a lot of fun doing it I hope you did too Tyler I felt like it was a good time yeah Time to do some NFL. I say it all the time. It's our bread and butter. We love covering it. We love talking about it. It is NFL free agency week. Tomorrow, we're recording this on Tuesday. So on Wednesday, NFL free agency officially begins because the new new league year starts. That hasn't stopped all the deals from being made in what's now the NFL's like legal tampering, tampering period. And there is a lot, a lot of news to talk about. First things first, the New England Patriots have been on a spending spree my friend when was the last time someone has said that i don't know i honestly couldn't tell you because it is crazy coming out the woodwork that was me my bad what was that <laughs> was that your computer yeah <laughs> we'll just cut that that's my um we're not gonna cut that investment. i'm leaving that in there <laughs> what was that my investment uh i think it's it like sounded like a called. boxing bell yeah <laughs> it's because the um the <laughs> I'm not cutting that. That's definitely making the podcast this week. All right, whatever. That was funny. But anyways, New England on a spending spree. Bill Belichick and his dog on a spending spree, sitting at the kitchen table making deals. 
Most notably, I don't even know what most notably is. Let's just let's read off some of these signings they've made. They re-signed Cam beforehand. I mean, that yeah. wasn't a huge, huge news deal. He may not even be the starting quarterback by the time things get to camp. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, if he does get to play and he is the starting quarterback, these moves like help him have a better yeah. year than he did last year. I want to see how he does with this team because we probably talked about it before, but the Patriots had the most uh, players opt out of the season last season. Absolutely. So this is so. Oh, it's almost going to be like a brand new yeah. Patriots this yeah, year, com- at least compared to last year, yeah. because they're going to have a lot of their opt-outs come back mm-hmm. and then all new the moves they agents, made in free agency. Yeah. So some of those moves, they signed the number one and number two tight end in free agency in Hunter Henry, number two, and Jonu Smith from Tennessee, and then Hunter Henry is from the Chargers. They signed both of those guys, number one and number two, among free agent available tight ends. They also signed Matthew Judon from the Ravens. They paid him a decent amount of money, more than the Ravens were going to pay him, more than they were willing to pay him, and so that's why he left. They also signed a pair of receivers in Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar. Nobody that's going to blow you away, but Aguilar's kind of carved out a just serviceable career for himself. I mean, he had some gaffes back during his time. With Philly. With Philly, yeah. but he's he resurrected okay. his then, career because he was always known for his drops in Philly, but he caught everything with the with Raiders. The Raiders. Obviously. And yeah. then I like Kendrick Bourne, too, I coming too. from the 49ers. Yep. He's a solid receiver. They have good receivers, so mm-hmm. he was probably just the odd man out, and the Patriots paid him a decent amount of money. They also made some other signings. I'm going to pull up their whole list right here. I saw. I read an article last night. It was called The Magnificent Seven. I don't know if I would call them The Magnificent Seven, <laughs> but they made seven deals yesterday. So, Patriots free agency. Let me just... 2021 NFL free agency signings right here, according to ESPN. Hunter Henry, like I said, Matthew Judon, Nelson Aguilar, Jonu Smith. They signed Jalen Mills. Oh, yeah. Safety safety corner from the Eagles. Green hair. I mean, you you (laughs) see him, you can't miss him. He has green hair. Could be a serviceable player in that. The biggest thing that they talk about with New England also is how their their defensive schemes work. So it's not always about getting the biggest name player, no. but sometimes just the right player for yeah. their system. And I think that's what Jalen Mills could end up being. He could yeah. be a very serviceable. And he's a good player regardless, so putting him into that scheme is only going to make him better. And then they also signed Davon Godshow. Mm-hmm. I hope that's how you pronounce it. I didn't figure out how to pronounce it before we got on. They signed Dietrich Wise Jr., and that rounds out their signing so far, of course, aside from Cam. So four skill players and two tight ends and two wide receivers, and then a lot of different pieces on defense to try to reshape some of that defense. They also are likely to get Donta Hightower back. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure he opted out of the season, yeah, yeah, among yeah. some other guys. Mm-hmm. I've heard rumors that Stephon Gilmore could possibly not come back, but yeah, he think, also may. I don't know what the I know the he was on the – I think they're trying to trade him. Trade him. Yeah, but. so just some other notable <laughs> free agency signings. The Ravens got a guard. The Chiefs got a guard. The Ravens got Kevin Zeitler. From New York, originally, I believe, was Cincinnati. So he played in Cincinnati most of his career. No, but the Browns. Are you sure? He was on the Browns, and he got traded to sure? New York from the OBJ trade, yeah. Are you sure? I don't know where he played before the Browns, but he was on the Browns, I'm pretty sure. I'm going to tell you. I don't want to believe you. Your, your computer's playing random sounds in the middle of our podcast. <laughs> Why should I believe anything you're Yeah, um, he was a part of the trade for OBJ, I believe, to New York. You were right. This will now be his third AFC North team. He was drafted to the Cincinnati Bengals, played 2017-18 with the Cleveland Browns before going to the Giants, and now he plays or will play for the Baltimore Ravens. I don't know why I doubted you. I forgot that you keep up on your Browns news, (laughs) Baker Mayfield and all. But the Chiefs signed Joe Thune. Thune? I guess that's how you say it. 
After so, they cut their two tackles, Eric. Yeah, Fisher they got rid of both of their tackles, yeah. and I mean, after that Super Bowl performance, uh, they didn't even well, they play didn't in the play, Super Bowl yeah. performance. So they got rid of their two tackles. But other offensive line news: Corey Lindsley went to the Chargers. He went highest paid center. Yeah, I think, he was in NFL with the Packers before that, right? Mm-hmm. So he yeah. went from Packers let him go. to the Chargers. So that's going to be good for Herbert, Justin Herbert, mm-hmm. young quarterback, to get. Not only the highest paid center in football but now, but a very, three. very good center yeah. in football right now. John Johnson the third went to the Browns. They tried to shore up their defensive secondary. Mm-hmm. Hopefully he'll be able to do that. He comes over from the Rams. Yannick Ngakwe. That one's a hard name to pronounce. He's a former Terp, so I've learned how to pronounce <laughs> it because I read a lot of stories about him. He's going to the Raiders on a two year deal. I think it was twenty two twenty six million. Twenty six million. Two years, mm-hmm. twenty six million. So, I mean, I didn't think that the Ravens were going to re-sign him anyway because they kind of traded for him to just almost as a a rental to see what he had in store. And then they didn't really – I don't think they were very happy with what they got because they didn't get that much out of him. Same reason the Vikings traded him for nothing. Exactly, because they didn't get – well, the Vikings just didn't go in the direction they were hoping to. That's true, but – And then Corey Davis went to the Jets. And we can talk about this one a little bit because we were both kind of perplexed. Yeah. Because – I mean, the Jets were a dumpster fire all last year, and I know they're going to try and be better this year. Obviously, you can't be worse pretty much than what they were unless you go 0-16. Yeah. But I I said that it was probably just the most money offered to him. Yeah, I meant, Yeah, we were talking about that last night when he did sign with them. But now that I think about it, he's also going to a team where he's – if they keep Jameson Crowder, he's – I mean, him and Jameson Crowder are going to be the, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if there's a one or a two between them. They're both kind of like. Kind of similar styles. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, so yes, he did probably go there for the most money. But if you think about when he was on the Titans, he was what? So they have Derrick Henry, who they're hanging the ball off to 50% of the time. And then they have A.J. Brown, who they. Well, that's the thing. is He, he came so in he before like, A.J. Brown. Yeah. But A.J. Brown outshined him because yeah, they were exactly. a different style of player. So and, now that I think about it, he's probably going there for the you know reps, too. Yeah, so he should get time. And then he got thirty-seven, a three-year, $37.5 million deal yep. with $27 million guaranteed. Yeah. So not a shabby contract at all. And he's one of the bigger name free agents mm-hmm. of everything. Um, I know that Ravens fans really wanted him a lot. I did see that. I saw a yeah. lot about that. I don't know. I don't think that the Ravens at this point, I don't think they have a lot of cap to play with. I don't think that they we'll They also see. have no receivers to play with. That's the thing, though, is I don't think we'll see a, a move for a big-name <laughs> yeah. receiver. I think you're, at this point in free agency, I don't think if they make a move for a receiver, it will be right now. There's if, still some good ones available. There is. But, yeah, but like you said, they they'll have, have to break the cap, bank almost yeah. for them, and I don't think that that's a legitimate option. Yeah. I think if you don't see them take a receiver with a day one pick in the NFL draft, you'll see them take a one early with a day two pick. They're not good at developing receivers anyway, so. Why must you I'm just remind saying. me? I'm I know, saying. I know. But I think the offensive line move to get Zeitler. Mm-hmm. That Zeitler, was big. I guess it's yeah. Zeitler. I think that's big Zeitler. because it does shore up your offensive line. There's been mm-hmm. the talk of Orlando Brown. Yeah. Junior wanting to go somewhere else. So if he does go somewhere else, I mean, it the package you get for him is going to be Receiver helpful for you. Pick or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you see, uh, it wasn't the owner of the Jags, but it was like the Jag. it was like his yeah. son or something. Uh, and there's rumors that Orlando Brown could go to, uh, he could go to the, the Jags, Jags yeah. for a first round pick and DJ Chark or something. Yeah, I saw that. And that rumor is very much not accurate as far as oh, I really? know. Hold on, I'm trying to find the tweet that I saw this morning. Oh, also, the Ravens lost Giad Ward. He's signing with the Jaguars, who I know a lot of Ravens fans liked. I liked him. 
during his time. Oh, my goodness. Why can I not find this tweet? Okay, here it is. It was from Tony Khan, and he was replying to Baltimore Beatdown. And the Baltimore Beatdown tweet just said, like, non-reputable sources are saying this, but we're just going to put it out there. Zeus Jr. going to Jacksonville and DJ Chark going to Baltimore. And Tony Khan responded, and he said, here's something concrete. That's the biggest load of crap I've ever read. That's 100% false. He is the owner slash football analytics of the Jaguars, owner, director of football, GM. He also owns Fulham FC. So he just owns a lot of teams. Yeah. Well, I know the Jags are very high on Chark, so. Yeah, so I guess he won't be going anywhere. Um, but, yeah, so that that's that. Uh Bud Dupree headed to Tennessee to join the Titans, mm-hmm. leaving, that defense leaving Pittsburgh. Yeah, he had a very, very good year with Pittsburgh. I think he got hurt. He was hurt. He yeah. was hurt, but he was tearing it up. Mm-hmm. Him and T.J. Watt, T. J. not J.J. Watt. Him and T.J. Watt. And then the best news of all, <laughs> Fitzmagic, baby. To D.C. Ryan's, Ryan Fitzpatrick <laughs> is going to be joining the Washington football team and will compete with Taylor Heineke for and whoever they draft probably, probably. So we talked about this before we pressed the record button. Is you said that the Patriots and Washington made pretty much the same move, just getting mm-hmm. a serviceable guy that can take the reps, that can take the starter reps, and be a mentor to and be a mentor draft, to whoever probably. comes in. Yeah, I don't hate I don't hate Fitzpatrick with. No. I think it's amazing that his career has continued. Where was he? He was with the Dolphins last, right? This is his ninth team. Ninth. Can yeah, you, uh, nine teams. And I wonder so, uh, the schedules uh, are out now. Do does Washington play the Jaguars this year? They play the Chiefs division, I believe. So mm-hmm. no, because if they did play the Jaguars, um, Ryan Fitzpatrick has beaten the Jaguars with like seven teams or something like that. It was a story I read back <laughs> when the NFL yeah. season was going on. So see, if I was him, I would just keep picking a team that could play the Jaguars, but. See, so he's beat the he's played for the Texans now, the Washington football team, the Dolphins, the Bucks. Restart. What did you say? The the Texans, the Bucks, Washington football team now, um, Dolphins, Bills, Bills, Jets, Jets. What was that six right there? I really thought he was going to go to the Patriots. Actually, All right, we're going to give you one more shot him. at this. I'm going to pull it up. I'm going to give you one more shot. I'm going to tell you exactly how many teams it is. It's nine. I it's saw nine. it this morning, yeah. It, well, this is his ninth team. This will be his ninth yeah. team? Okay. I have it in front of me. Try and pick the teams. The remaining ones? Just start. Uh, so, you can start over. So, Washington, over. Uh, Miami, New York, Jets, Dolphins. Oh, no, I said that. <laughs> uh, Bucks. Four for four. Um, who else? I honestly can't remember. Buffalo? Oh, yeah, Buffalo, yeah. Tennessee? Oh, that's right, yeah. Did you say the Texans? Yeah, I did. He played for the Bengals? And he played I was going to say the Bengals. Drafted by the St. Louis Rams. Seventh yeah. round? Okay. Seventh round, pick 250. Was Has really? he had a better career than pick 199 in the sixth round? I think he came, out, Tom came out of Harvard, didn't he? Yes, he's very smart. Yeah. Very smart man. He went to Highland High School in Gilbert, Arizona, and then he went to Harvard. He's crazy man. And he was a seventh round pick, so the... Question I just asked, and I'm going to ask you again. Who's better, Tom Brady? Did or he have a? Does he arguably have a better career yes, based on where so. he was picked than what Tom Brady had? The only set on that matters picked. is that he's played for more teams. Nine compared to two, it's no comparison, right? You can't beat it. All right, we are almost out of NFL free agency news. Let's take one last look 
before we wrap up, though. And then don't you think that we forgot our top of the hill takes because we will definitely do those. All right. So the, obviously the Patriots are the clear winners. I mean, that is so far. what yeah. it is so far. I don't know. I just think it's crazy. <laughs> I'm looking at this article right now, and it says winners. Or it says um, winner, New England Patriots. Loser, Ravens pass rush. <laughs> they did. Okay, they yeah, did re-sign Tyus Bowser today yeah, that I saw. That. And Pernell McPhee's coming back. Mm-hmm. Nothing to write home about. I really like Tyus Bowser as a player. Pernell McPhee is just a serviceable veteran. Does at this Campbell point have one more year? I believe so. I believe he, yeah, he's not a free agent or anything. Derek Wolf's still out there. Oh, uh, the Jaguars, they signed Shaquille Griffin from yeah, Seattle. Yeah, that was weird. Which is a not really Shaquille big surprise. Griffin, Shaquille Griffin. <laughs> what did I say? Shaquille O. Griffin. Like no, I said Shaquille O'Neal. Griffin. Oh, I thought you said O. Never mind. Get out of here. Shaquille O'Neal, Shaquille Griffin. I know the difference. But they signed Shaquille Griffin, breaking up with his brother. Yeah. Shaquem is still, I believe he's, he's still, still up the, there with yeah. the Seahawks. He didn't play much last year, though. No, I mean, got to hand it to him. That's It's the low-hanging fruit That's sometimes. Terrible. I actually have ultimate respect for him. I think he's awesome. Yeah, no, he is awesome. But it hurts me so badly when he intercepts my pass with one hand. With one hand, but And it's the one that doesn't have any fingers. <laughs> it's the one that's just the nub. But I think that Jacksonville is a enticing free agent destination. They, they have just, a bright future. I, exactly. I mean... And it just we, depends we, on how Urban Meyer is. It could be a yeah, exactly. It could be. NFL. He's never been to the NFL. I thought he. That's Nick Saban, buddy boy. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to call you buddy boy on the podcast, but uh, you're right. This I is, thought he was for a little bit. This maybe. is Urban Meyer's first NFL gig. He had never wanted to go to the NFL because why would you? He's one of the most dominant yeah. coaches in all of college football ever. So, but I think it's a very enticing destination because. It, I don't know. We could be sitting here a year from now and say that it was a terrible, terrible, like, setup. But they have a lot of picks. They have a lot of cap space. They have the first overall pick, which you're, at this point, just penciled in. It's Trevor Lawrence. Mm -hmm. I just think it could be a very good thing. It would be very cool to see the Jags become, like, a consistent contender for a while. So that is what it is. Let's wrap our show. Top of the hill takes. Mine's – it's – it's got to be March Madness based. I know we yeah, just sat here and it. talked about 20 minutes about NFL, but my top of the hill take, I'm going back to my bracket. Of course oh. I deleted the bracket off my computer. But, ooh, Tyler has his bracket right in front of me. Look at me now. All right, I'll give you mine. Okay, yeah, you I go ahead. I think that Baylor loses before the Elite Eight. I do. So they win... At least two. At least two, but not three. Or, wait, yeah. It wouldn't matter. They would either lose. Yeah. So they either lose in the round 64, round of 32, yeah. or sweet 16. Yeah, sweet 16. I, I don't hate that take. They're I mean, number one seed. They haven't. The thing that goes against Baylor, I feel like, is they did come back and play in time for conference, like mm-hmm. tournament week and stuff like that, and finish the end of the season. But they had a long layoff. Yeah, they And did. I get it that maybe that helps with your rest and yeah, stuff. But, but also, wouldn't you want to be playing rhythm. your best? Exactly. Yeah. Wouldn't you want to be playing your best ball at the right time? Yep. Especially with their team because they start four guards, as we were talking about earlier before the podcast today. So I just think that when you start four guards and you only have one big man and you rely so much on their three-point shooting, which they do. I mean, I think they have the highest three-point percentage in, the, in all of NCAA this year, but... All it takes is one bad game. That's true. One, no, I, one I bad game of that. shooting, and you're out. 
Okay, I my top of the hill take is that I think there was nine Big Ten teams that made the made yeah, the tournament. Like I'm going to say that there will be at least five in the Sweet 16. Hmm. I don't know if that's mathematically yeah, possible yeah. looking at the bracket right now, and I'll have to double-check that later. But I think that five Big Ten teams will make it to Sweet 16 I like that. round. And that's my take. I'm sticking to it. I've watched a ton of Big Ten basketball this year. Hopefully one of those five is the Maryland Terrapins. <laughs> and they're making the championship game. Yeah, I told you they're going to play <laughs> Illinois. They're going to win it all. But that does it for us this week. It was Hopefully you enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun putting this show together, and there's no better time for college sports than March. So that does it for us on this week's Top of the Hill.